in the high desert in the great American Southwest. I'm Art Bell. Slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle of unobtainium. My name is George Van. I'm Richard Serrett. This is Connie Willis. I'm George Norrie. Welcome to Coast to Coast Day. It's great to be here. Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. We are two brothers who analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show known as Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul, and I'm the guy that listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother. Hey, it's Chris. I'm the Sean Hannity to your Alan Combs in that I would drop you immediately if Fox News asked me to do my own show. Not just Fox News, Chris. I think you would drop me immediately if anyone asked you to anyone. do your own show. Anyone. I don't even I don't even know if it needs to be that profitable. The local radio station. If I could live <laughs> off of doing a radio show, I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, By I myself, would, yeah. immediately. You're gone. I don't even know who Paul is. I would be under a bus like that. <laughs> well, Chris, today we have an episode for you. We're going to be talking about George Norrie's interview from October 26th. 2022 with michael Shermer, the skeptic magazine publisher wait a minute did michael Shermer? he did something with like grand hancock and joe rogan right this is the guy you sent me with the joe rogan graham hancock debates over whether or not ancient civilizations were real this is the skeptic magazine guy that was on the graham hancock is wrong side Okay, so my immediate starting point is detesting with an absolute <laughs> passion this man. Oh, I kind of I like this interview, man. I think he did a pretty good job. So we're going to be talking all about conspiracies. Michael wrote a book about conspiracies, how to think about conspiracies, uh, and what you know your approach should be when you are looking at a potential conspiracy. So I think he does. You know, I think he's got some nuance here, man. I think it's worth taking a look at. I'll take a little bit of the skeptic's hat <laughs> off, dude, but I I don't like this guy. Keep an open mind. I knew uh, it was gonna okay. I, I knew it was gonna uh, trigger you immediately from the Graham Hancock. Discussion. Oh yeah, dude. I, you got the bristles out, dude. My my haunches are on, raised, dude. <laughs> haunches are raised. But before we get to that, we gotta check in with Tim Banal at the Coast to Coast AM blog. It's Tim time. So today's article, Mystery Creature Slays 29 Sheep in India. Holy crap, dude. That's a productive monster. It's a lot of sheep, man. So reading from the article, farmers in an Indian village are understandably concerned after a mysterious creature managed to kill a staggering 29 sheep over the course of two days without anyone catching sight of the culprit. Do Hindus eat a lot of... Mutton? Is that what you call sheep? That's sheep meat. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it could or, also just be uh, wool. I guess it could be wool. Yeah, I don't know why they're using the sheep. Interesting. Okay, yeah. keep going. According to a local media report, the curious case began on Sunday in the community of Gondola when 20 of the the unfortunate animals were discovered dead by way of some kind of predatory attack wherein their intestines had been ripped apart. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, it's not great. The unsettling incident quickly became all the more worrisome the following day when an additional nine sheep were found slaughtered in a similar fashion. Something's just going to town on all these sheep. Yeah, can you imagine waking up and all your sheep are just getting slaughtered? That's a bummer. So, you know, latitude-wise, we're kind of in the perfect location. This has got to be the subcontinent's chupacabra, right? I was going to say this is probably a chupacabra. Now, here's the question, right? Because chupacabra's from Mexico, Chris. Yeah. But we know that the chupacabra migrated to Michigan. Yes. Is it possible for the chupacabra to make it across the ocean? So my thinking is, is that like rats or bugs or anything else with modern day shipping, these things could go be anywhere on they, the planet, yeah. you yeah. know, with what the, the things catch rides on airplanes these days. Chupacabra just got into the wheel well of a Boeing 747 landed in India. Now and it's then- got... Apparently, millions of sheep to choose from. Nobody's looking for the chupacabra in India. 
This is the Chupacabra's ultimate plan. Go to another continent. It's like when Jason went to New York City. You know what I mean? Jason? Jason, the... From Jason from the Friday 13th movies? Uh, bad joke. It's the same thing. Whatever. You just don't know horror movies. Someone out there got that joke. And I like that person the most. All right, back to the article. Residents noted that the pair of attacks are rather unusual and that despite so many animals being killed, no one heard a sound coming from the enclosure as the sheep were slain by the mystery beast. And the only sign of the predator was a, quote, black shadow, which one farmer claimed to have witnessed at the time of the second incident. So that's pretty terrifying, Paul. And I've actually have a little direct knowledge of what it sounds like when a sheep is being brutally murdered by a bunch of coyotes. Was this when you were on the farm? This was on, I was on the farm, dude. And we had like two sheep out there and I didn't have a gun at the time. Immediate told me my, my boss the next morning, you need to get me a gun. A whole pack of coyotes came and attacked these two sheep and they didn't lean anything but gut bile, dude. Everything else was gone. Gross. It was terrifying. That is but gross. But you could dude. hear them yipping with delight, and the goats were screaming, dude. Screaming. This is a terrifying story. I don't like this story. But that's what I'm saying. You would have heard something if these things were being brutally destroyed, especially 27 on them. I heard two of them acres away. Well, here's the thing, Chris. You want to know when you wouldn't hear them? When? The guy said Black Shadow. Hatman killed the sheep. Hatman killed the sheep, dude. Hatman, Shadow People. Dr. Evelyn Paglini, somebody put a curse on these sheep for some reason. <sighs> these farmers need to get black candles to absorb the negative energy. Yes. Cleanse yes. it. Yes. Cleanse yes. it. Probably a couple blue candles for protection. Just good for the good vibes. All right, back to the article. Another peculiar detail surrounding the two incidents is that the predator simply left all of the dead livestock behind rather than taking even one of its victims off to eat. Authorities have descended upon the village to investigate the matter, though whether they can identify the culprit remains to be seen. This is this is a weird one, dude. Like, because again. Even if it was humans, they would still be like screaming and screaming sheep is a terrifying sound. Yeah, I don't know. And if it's a predator, why are they leaving them all behind? Unless it's just like a rabid predator who's lost its mind. I don't know. And a part of me thinks this is human somehow and that they must have drug them or something and then like started ripping out their intestines. Satanic sheep abuse. Yeah. Eerily, the 29 sheep killed this week are seemingly the latest victims of a mystery creature, which has struck several times over the last few years, with one particularly gruesome attack where in a staggering 150 animals were killed. That's unbelievable. That's an um, that's a herd of sheep, dude. That's an inexplicable number of animals to be murdered. That would be terrifying to walk upon. Just a whole field of dead sheep with their intestines laid out everywhere. I'm, I think I'm changing my mind. I don't think the Chupacabra is this brutal. No, th that, this, this is not Chupacabra, dude. A Chupacabra will take, like, one beast a night. Yeah, the Chupacabra's not a maniac, okay? Yeah, the Chupacabra's a, a predator. This is a maniac monster. I, I'm leaning towards that, man, but we'll, we'll see. While various prosaic predators, such as a big cat or hyena, have been suggested as the cause of the incidents, some have speculated that the stealthy nature of the beast and the weirdness of the attacks is an indication that the infamous chupacabra is to blame. So, Timmy thought it was the chupacabra, too. Timmy apparently also thought it was the chupacabra. Tim, we're on the same page, dude. But I think I think you're I think you're not giving the chupacabra enough credit, Tim boy. Like we said, the Chupacabra is not this brutal. This is too brutal for Chupacabra. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to do a Chupacabra episode soon, but I just, I don't see it murdering 150 sheep like that. In but one I, night? In one night. And it doesn't sound like uh, any sort of alien um, mutilations that I've heard of. 
it's just ripping open their intestines. That doesn't sound like a mutilation. You know, it almost more sounds like a xenomorph thing from the alien movies where the aliens are literally popping out of these things' stomachs. Let's dial this together, dude. We've seen all of these UAPs recently, right? Yes. They injected the sheep yes. with the alien yes. hybrids, just yes. busted out, and they're now roaming India. Yes. We did it. We did yes. it. Yes. Good job. We can just stop the show now, dude. <laughs> That's the show. That's, That's it. the show. We're we finished. Figured it out. We figured it out. That's why we're here. To decode. Unbelievable. Well, that was our Tim time, Chris. I hope you enjoyed it. Excellent, dude. Best Tim time yet. For some quick housekeeping, we have an email address. You can send your thoughts to c2cpmpod at gmail.com. You can find that in the show notes. You can also find us on Twitter at c2cpmpod or on our subreddit, Coast to Coast PM. If you like the show, the easiest way to support us, you can drop us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, which really helps us out because of algorithms and things like that. It helps other people find us. And also make sure to subscribe. We drop every Thursday, and that'll make sure you never miss an episode. And last piece, you can support us on Patreon by following the link in the show notes to get ad-free episodes and also early access to episodes. And we also take listener requests through our Patreon. Uh, so be on the lookout for some of those. And to today's episode. Now, I feel a little bad about this, Chris, because okay. I did promise quite a few listeners that we would be doing a J.C. Webster episode for today. Oh, dude. And I feel bad, but it's I fine. have a good reason why. And I wanted to explain it briefly. My computer crashed and I had to do this on someone else's computer and I lost the file. I've since sort of fixed the problem, but I need to rework some stuff. So we will get to JC. I apologize for everyone that I just disappointed. Back to back disappointing weeks for the coast to coast PM fans, dude. We suck. We we are not having a good March because we missed an episode last week. Yes, we did. And I was just not going to comment on that, but I guess we're commenting on. We did do that, and that was yes. a mess up. And then I my computer died. So and you uh, just lied to tens of fans. Yeah, it was probably tens of fans that that I told this to through email. Well, I was just really excited about it. <laughs> You have been excited about this episode for a while. Yeah, so it's like a, a minority of our listeners, but I just felt like I needed to address it publicly. I felt shame. But it's going to be a good episode today, Chris. Okay. So jumping into Michael Shermer's interview with George Norrie, October 26, 2022, The Skeptic Magazine publisher. And also, he had a monthly column with Scientific American for 18 years. So he's like, he's like the king skeptic. He's out there being skeptical he's on all the new shows he's on joe rogan a lot he's he's on coast a lot paul can i just say one thing that's inexplicable to me yes that this man runs a whole magazine dedicated to skepticism he does yeah he does it's like i'm going to start the wet diaper magazine <laughs> dude the yeah. do the doo-doo pants magazine for people who suck yeah it doesn't sound like the most fun magazine to be a part of just My skeptical. God, dude. But hey, let's give this man a fair right. shake. Okay. So let's start with the basics. What's a conspiracy? Yeah, okay. So a conspiracy is two or more people plotting in secret to uh, do something illegal or immoral uh, or to gain an advantage over somebody else without their knowledge. Um, and so that happens all the time. I mean, government agencies do this. Corporations do it. Um, and a conspiracy theory is a theory that, that, that a conspiracy is actually happening and so the question is is the conspiracy theory true or false that's what we want to know lots and lots of conspiracy theories some of them are true some of them are not some of them we don't know and so it's kind of a what i call a signal detection problem uh you know picking out the signal from the noise does it constitute a hit or a miss um and and so the problem what we want to solve here that i try to solve in the book is you know what kind of criteria would you use when you hear a conspiracy theory to assess whether it's likely true, likely false, or indeterminate. Dude, I really like signal detection problem, dude. Holy cow. That's actually a really smart way to put it. Yeah, no, it's he's a very smart guy, right? And I think that he has a really good view of how a lot of these things work, um, or right. at least like a good approach to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
and you do you have there's so much noise out there mm -hmm. that you got to pick up the signal yeah and it's like how do you decide which one to focus on too because there's also a lot of conspiracies out there online right so next he mentioned a few uh or he mentioned that there are real conspiracies out there right so he goes into what some of the real conspiracies are which i i actually really appreciate that he does bring this up right so if it's something narrow and 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 focused on a particular goal like volkswagen uh cheating the emission standards in in the eu you know that turned out to be a true conspiracy theory they did do that you know for very obvious reasons to gain a, a you know a, a, a profit motive there or watergate you know that you know to, to kind of try to rig the election and cheat cheat a little bit and get the secrets of the democrats or iran contra you know to support um certain uh, dictators that are more favorable to American interests in third world countries uh, over communist dictators. The CIA used to do those kinds of things. So, you know, those, those theories turn out to be true. I love the CIA used to do those types of things. <laughs> they are still doing those things today and they do it on the American people. Now they were probably doing it on the American people back then. Mr. Shermer. Well, we we know that they were doing it on the American people back then too, with like MK Ultra and things like that. Right. Yeah. So, so anyways, that was a that was a moronic comment by Mr. Shermer. Well, he he does talk a lot about a lot of these these real conspiracies, though, right? Things that the U.S. Okay. government has done that we know for a fact exist because we can speculate, right? That the the CIA is doing a lot of these things, but we don't necessarily always have hard evidence that it is happening right now, right? I mean, other than Edward Snowden telling us that the NSA and CRA are doing this on a daily basis and giving us every single tool that those agencies do to do that, I guess we don't know that they're doing it every single day, actually. Well, it depends on what we're talking about. I was more referring to like MK Ultra. Oh, but yeah. Okay. If we're talking about like surveillance. Yeah, they, they're watching, listening to everything that we do. Yeah. I don't know how much MK Ultra is happening right now, but it's probably happening to someone somewhere. It's happening to someone <laughs> somewhere, dude. I guarantee that. Someone's someone's getting drugged by the CIA. I guarantee <laughs> it. I can't prove it, but I feel it in my bones. Yes, dude. Yes. So let me guess that we're going to get to JFK here at some point. Oh, don't you worry, Chris. George is going to bring up JFK. I you got to. You George got is to. alive for this one. Yeah. Is he? Is he yeah. smoking it? All right. He's good. awake on this episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, he has to be, dude. They probably gave him some Adderall. I mean, yeah, it's probably what happens most of the time. Keeps them up. All right. So then uh, Michael goes into, like, why do people typically believe in conspiracies, right? Like, how did these even come to pass? Well, there's several uh, factors at work. First, it, it's a kind of a, a causal theory. You know, the world is pretty chaotic. There's a lot of noise. And the mind tries to put together patterns to see if there's some um, something that, that you can grasp to explain it. You know, well, how come gas prices are going up? Why is there a war in Ukraine? You know, why do these things happen? And, you know, we, we want to know. And, you know, so there's different uh, theories about this <laughs> that we hear. And so we kind of try to filter through them. And conspiracy theories sort through the noise and tend to simplify things. You know, that, that the economy is doing what it's doing, not because of all these complex forces at work, uh, but because there's these 12 guys in London called the Illuminati and they're running the world. Again, dude, I'm just going to be beaten, Michael Shermer. It's almost a shame because I think like it would be a better conversation if he was here and we can kind of push back and forth with him, but we'll do with, with what we got, right? What about the people who believe that the true conspiracy, the people trying to tell us that Iran-Contra was actually happening, the well, people who were trying to tell us that Watergate was actually happening? So That was a conspiracy theory until it wasn't. And that's that's what he is going to get into on this episode okay. is that there's a spectrum of believability on conspiracies and the more gigantic and wide ranging like Iran Contra what had a lot of impact, but it was a small number of people who were involved. It's not like reptilians who control the world. Right. right. There is a right. difference in scale. Right. Um, so that, that is something that that you should definitely look at. And that's the other thing. The One of the problems with the term conspiracy is that it encompasses everything from like, you know, pretty legitimate concerns about government behavior 
and government spying and I don't know coups that the the U.S. government is constantly doing in other countries with like QAnon, right? They're mm. they can both be conspiracy theories, right? I don't think that they could be further away from each other. Right, right. Okay, all right. I see where you're coming from. Let's let's get more into it because I haven't. I have a feeling we're going to circle back to that little point of yours. We we will. So he goes through a couple of the reasons why people typically believe in conspiracy theories. And the, one of the ones that he gives is that people like feeling smarter than everyone else. Like they like having the secret knowledge. Then there's also um, a, a sense that uh, of secret knowledge, like, you know, what other people don't know kind of a hero's journey, like, oh, I am in on the secret. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to combat this thing like QAnon. Right. There's people, a lot of people that we've uh, 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 interviewed that got out of QAnon, you know, said that they felt like it was like the most important thing they ever did. Like, I'm going to I'm going to back this conspiracy. I'm going to back this group that's going to combat this conspiracy of secret satanic pedophiles uh, that are operating out of this pizzeria. And, you know, somebody like Edgar Welch, who went there with his gun to shoot up the place, um, you know, he really felt like I'm doing something grand, moral. You know, superb. This is going to be, uh, you know, heroic to do this. And see, dude, I come from a place of empathy for a lot of these people because I truly believe that if you provided them with what I consider to be the basic basic functions of humanity, you make them put them in a community, you give them access to real education real means to strive for themselves don't make them go hungry don't make them work two jobs then they don't become conspiracy theorists that believe in QAnon. i i don't know who you're yelling at though because i don't think that he said anything against that <laughs> but no but it's just like well they just they feel super important and all this and it's 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 a semi mocking and yeah that's a part of it too but also i think intense feelings of being alone to not being connected to a community to feeling as if the problems in your life, nobody understands them. So here's the thing though. Both of those things can be true because a core tenet of QAnon is that they have secret knowledge that other people can't handle. And that's what the great awakening is, is that normies can't handle this information, but you're special and you can, you know, the truth, no one else sees it. And you're going to be proven right. And all your family and friends that think you're crazy, they're going to be proven wrong. They're going to just talk about how smart and wonderful you are. Right. That was like a core tenet of it. Now QAnon itself has kind of dissolved um, to a large extent um, since Q has stopped posting. And then recently he started posting again, but they're really lame and no one likes them. Um, but that is a core part of QAnon is this specialness, right? And I think it can be tied to, you know, the destruction of community in America and why people want to feel connected and why they want to feel special and why they want to be able to connect with people on, you know, on really anything. Um, but I think he, he is correct in that it does involve secret knowledge, right? And feeling cool. It's a second order thing, not a first order thing. Okay. And making it your first order thing instead of it being a a carryover is mocking and shows me that he actually doesn't understand what's going on here. Okay. I I all right. Let's let's continue on. Uh, next one is going to be about proportionality, right? So where we actually assign conspiracies versus where we don't. Uh, proportionality, uh, what we call proportionality, heuristic or bias, that is big cause, big effects need big causes. So, you know, the Holocaust, one of the worst things that ever happened in human history. And what's the cause of that? The Nazi regime, one of the worst political regimes in human history. There's a balance there, a proportionality to it. But if you say something like, well, JFK was assassinated by a lone nut, it doesn't feel right. It's like, how can how can that be? Or 9-11. You know, you're telling me 19 guys with box cutters brought down the World Trade Center buildings? I mean, that just doesn't uh, seem right. Or Princess Diana, what was the cause of her death? Drunk driving, speeding, no seatbelt? You know, that's how regular people die, not princesses. You know, so there's a sense of disproportionality there. So we add elements. JFK, well, it was the CIA and the FBI and the KGB and the Russians and the mafia and the Cubans and 
you know, President Johnson and so on. Before you know it, you know, everybody's in on it. So what happens when JFK turns out that it was a CIA plot? Then he changes his mind. Then he changes his mind. Okay. The, the cool. whole thing awesome. is about probability is what okay. he's getting at. Is assigning right. probability to things. But that's going to come later. We're going to get into JFK. What are you specifically talking about there is that big things need big causes and little things don't. Right. So that's why we assign conspiracies. And the one that he uses uh, uh, to talk more about this is actually Ronald Reagan getting shot. John Hinckley, who shot Reagan, there's no conspiracy theories about him or next to none um, because, you know, he, he didn't kill him. And, you know, he was mentally ill and it's like, OK, well, that's what crazy people do. Well, you know, Oswald was a little nutty, uh, but but because he succeeded in assassinating Kennedy, then that was a big thing. And, and, and he as a cause does not doesn't feel proportional to that. Didn't John Hinckley put out like an acoustic guitar album? after he got out of prison did he i'm pretty sure that happened and if he did I'll, I'll make sure to post it in the in the show notes because uh i i would imagine we we have to listen to the music of a man that a attempted to shoot a president i mean what a crazy thing to do and then to serve your sentence get released and then put out an acoustic guitar album all right i just found a rolling stone article he tried to kill a president, then YouTube made money off him. John Hinckley is best known for the attempting the president. Yeah. Uh, it looks like he was definitely a YouTuber. That's what it was, a YouTuber. I, I remember seeing John Hinckley with a freaking acoustic guitar singing songs, dude. And I was like, this is weird. That is very strange. I did not realize that you get out of prison after trying to kill the president. That's, that's interesting. You know what's also weird in that Charlie Manson also loved music played a lot of music he did re record albums he did this is an mk ultra thing i'm it must be like the vibrations or something play with their brain wonder what old michael Shermer would think about that idea He'd probably call it a conspiracy what's the probability of that mr Shermer? but i do think that is a good point right is that we have rfk conspiracies we have jfk conspiracies no one thinks about the attempted reagan assassination yeah but also nobody cares about reagan oh a lot of people <laughs> care about reagan chris no one cares dude a lot of people care for sure boring can you imagine if that happened today though i feel like the problem with the reagan assassination is that the internet wasn't around right and I feel like everything today, the most minute thing, there's a giant conspiracy around it. Oh, I, Trump holds a, a Bible upside down and everyone explodes with ideas of what an upside Bible means. And it's just like Trump is such an idiot. He just didn't realize he's never held a Bible before. <laughs> he didn't know which way was he up. He doesn't know what he's doing. Hey, in his defense, man, usually a Bible's like plain cover, just a little writing. He may not notice. Yeah. It's just tough. Just it's wave, tough. The, wave the Bible around, man. Just wave the Bible around. All right, so let's get into Kennedy, because I know you want to talk about Kennedy, Chris. You know I want to talk about Kennedy. This guy's going to frustrate the crap out of me talking about Kennedy, isn't he? Uh, Based on how frustrated you've been so far, probably, <laughs> yeah. Probably. Just remember, Chris, he's not talking about you. It's okay. Now, getting back to the Kennedy situation, I'm still convinced that uh, – whether Oswald was part of it or not, that the the mob was involved in this to shut him down. And I think J. Edgar Hoover shut it down quickly. Now, does that make me a conspiracist? <laughs> well, okay. So, again, just by definition, I, one of the things I'm trying to do in this book is take away the pejorative nature of, of calling somebody a conspiracy theorist. Like, you know, you're just one of those tinfoil hat wackadoodles. You should believe. A conspiracy theory if it's true if the evidence is there that's not wacky at all so it's there's, there's it's rational to do that georgie ate his wheaties dude i'm gonna love george this episode dude, i told you he was awake for this one like yeah, i think it depends dude. on the guest i don't when he takes his adderall or whatever he does i don't know what it is extra cup of coffee but um because he's getting attacked too dude yeah he, yeah his his hackles are raised too I don't know. I don't know if because uh, George has had him on before. I don't know if he takes it that personally. You know, I think oh, does he's, he not. He doesn't yeah. take anything personally, does he? Dude, he's just hanging out at this yeah. point. He's just waiting to die. I think he's like, yeah. I'm going to keep doing this until I croak. <laughs> Unless 
unless you say we didn't go to the moon. Well, and I love his, well, you should believe true conspiracies. Okay, well, if everyone's calling you conspiracy theorists because you're out there running Skeptic Magazine, then what What are we talking about? What are we talking about? That's what he was saying is that you shouldn't, he doesn't want people being called a conspiracy theorist, or at least that shouldn't be a negative label is because they can be real. So you shouldn't just like act like you shouldn't just make fun of people and disregard them by labeling them that. Absolutely. Well, I do. Yeah. Okay. It's like calling everything fascist, right? Yeah. It's it. it yeah. In a way, but like yeah. when everything's fascist, nothing is fascist calling everything a conspiracy theory. Nothing is a conspiracy theory then. But I think the problem with that is I just feel like there's a lot more instances of conspiracy than fascism. If anything, I feel like your, your analogy doesn't go far enough. Right, that's true. Yeah. Well, or how about calling everybody a Nazi or Hitler, right? Yeah, and it's like, because like fascism, Nazi, and Hitler, like those are very specific things with definitions, yeah. and it's just yeah. like, I don't even know what they mean at this point. Right. Same yeah. thing with communists. It's like, yeah, I don't know what communist means anymore. It's just used for everything. Yeah, it's like when people call Biden a communist, and I'm like, I wish, <laughs> I wish he was a communist, dude. Are you kidding me? The man's barely awake, dude. Like a he has bone? sort of, yeah, he's got nothing going on. <laughs> yeah, Obama's a socialist. I wish he's just a garden variety neoliberal capitalist that has a 150 million dollar home now. Man, we're doing a really bad job of staying apolitical. If we just hate on both sides, though, it's fine, right? I'm hating on everybody, I feel like. <laughs> I hate everybody, tenants. dude. I hate everybody, dude. I hate oh. Michael Shermer right now. All right, let's let's be nice. Let's okay. be nice. All okay. right. So let's get more into Kennedy. While we're triggering you, we might as well just keep this going. He said two things there. One of them is true, that um, J. Edgar Hoover did try to shut it down, as did Johnson, President Johnson, because they were worried that if it was, if the conspiracy theory, if the conspiracy seemed like the Russians or the Cubans were involved in the assassination, then that, then the American public would push Johnson to strike back against Russia. Yeah. So is it, is that a conspiracy theory? It, it is kind of, you know, they're, you know, they, but, but they didn't cover anything up so much as they just pushed for the lone assassin uh, conspiracy theory to, to, to be the, the, the likeliest one to be true. I think the Warren report was pretty accurate, and I think Oswald did act alone. And there's no evidence that anybody else that was involved. That is, the convergence of evidence for Oswald as the lone assassin is is massive. <laughs> they just pushed... Your face right now. Your they face. just pushed a theory with unsubstantial evidence, and that became... The state secret and what everyone projected. So what what he's saying? What this he's is saying, unbelievable, dude. This guy's insane. What he's saying is that the state did have um, uh, a reason for pushing the lone gunman, right? That there was a conspiracy there in terms of them trying to promote it because it would clear this up the fastest, but that the preponderance of evidence that we have still points to it as correct, so right? Now, whether or not you agree with that, that's the point he's making. Circumstantial evidence. There's no conspiracy here. Let's not look into it. Let's just write a whole report with a made-up theory. That's also not what he's saying. He's not saying don't look into them. Don't question anything, people. Just say what the just just take in what the government tells you until somebody tells you otherwise, but until you have proof then that's that person's a conspiracy theorist, and I'm just going to keep on calling him that until, and everyone else is going to keep on right. calling him that. He he just said that we shouldn't be calling people conspiracy theorists. We're going to be fair to Michael, Chris. All right, okay, fine. <laughs> We're going to be fair. Now, but that that does raise an important question, right? Is that I'm I'm a little, I I don't mind where he's going with this in terms of like thinking of conspiracies in terms of like probabilities of accuracy, right? Like, okay, here's a conspiracy. Like, let's look at all the information we have available. Like how likely do we think that this is true and not using like a yes or no, right? It's not binary. Um, 
it's similar to how historians function or archaeologists function, right? It's it's on a spectrum of like, we feel like this is correct. We can't know for certain, but the probability is probably more in favor of like this hypothesis than this other one. So I don't think it's a bad way of approaching it. I, I don't know exactly where to put it though, because like you said, from what he's saying, it does sound like you need to go with the narrative you're being presented until you have overwhelming evidence in like another direction. But I feel like that can lead to people just going along with things, i.e. the Iraq war, for instance, right? We're being told by all these folks that this is real. Uh, It sounds like they have the evidence. We should trust them. But ultimately, it was all completely made up, right? And I feel like that could be a potential issue with his way of thinking. Yeah. Any war the United States has gone into in the last uh 200 years hold on they shot at us in the gulf of tonkin chris okay there was a shot across the bow yeah right exactly (laughs) but anyway that's my thoughts on it so far as like i i don't mind it necessarily i just don't know what to do with it and i don't know if it's the most helpful framework depending on how you utilize it you know what i mean yeah it's just like trust the government and then you're not supposed to trust them and for me it's like my immediate starting point is that i don't trust the government why because they have lied to us so thoroughly and so entirely my whole entire life they told the truth about something right we got a we we got a really good public library around us they're pretty nice yeah and guess what the librarian never lied to me (laughs) it's the government it's not it's not paul it is not all right let's get in let's get into not trusting the government let's get into that is it also a distrust that people have in society, government, whatever you want to call it, that people just don't believe it? Yes. Yeah, so um, that has certainly been the case in the last half century. The levels of trust in government and actually most institutions, even in the last 20 years or so, the trust in science, scientific institutions and scientists has, has collapsed. Uh, people are very suspicious and distrustful, and I argue in the book for good reason. You know, if you look at what the CIA has done over the since the 1950s, you know, uh, you'll know about all these Project MK Ultra, yep. you know, dosing, you know, mind control, brainwashing experiments on U.S. citizens without their knowledge or consent were given LSD and other mind-altering drugs, right? Or COINTELPRO, where the FBI. Uh, put secret agents into the social justice uh, organizations and movements like the American Indian Movement and feminist groups and, and the Black Panthers, even even blackmailing Martin Luther King Jr. and secretly taping his trip. Okay, yeah. So he just made my point for me. We shouldn't start with immediately trusting the narrative. Yeah, which I don't necessarily know if that's what he's saying, though. I don't know I mean, if it's necessarily it kind of you is. need to trust the narrative like that. It's you need to be aware. Of, well, he started with like conspiracies, you know, are right sometimes and you shouldn't be calling people conspiracies because they could be correct. Okay. All right. Let's keep going. All right. So he, he, we go in a bit more about this because a lot of this does have to do with our lack of trust in the government and it's the government's fault that it's that way. Well, maybe I should. Maybe when my government tells me something, the next thing they tell me, I'm not going to be so uh, gullible to believe them, right? And the Pentagon Papers and WikiLeaks, you know, all the leaks that have come out of things that that our government was doing, and you know, the Operation Paperclip, where we were um, getting Nazi scientists to come to America and work on our scientific projects. These are the same kind of guys that we put on trial and executed in Nuremberg for war crimes. <laughs> so we were we were doing this because we were afraid the Russians were going to do it before we got them, and so so there's enough of that, you know, all this stuff about like rigging elections in South American countries to favor fascist dictators over communist dictators. Yeah, our, the CIA did that. Okay, it's still just like uh, our government lies to us all the time, but these couple of things I'm just not gonna believe. Government told the truth about JFK to the T. Government told the truth about 9-11 to the T until I have further evidence. What what he's basically describing is that being mistrustful of the government is not irrational. It's actually a very rational thing to do. But also, like, just going for any conspiracy about the government doesn't make sense. You have to have the facts there, right? 
I think there is a problem here because I don't know if using his framework, you would believe a lot of things that have been determined to be accurate, right? Like the Snowden revelations, right? That's a gigantic conspiracy with a ton of people involved, uh, yes. all the way up to the president of the United States and thousands of people that are just sitting there listening to your phone calls. Uh, and one of the things that he talks about as um, a way to judge a conspiracy is like how wide sweeping is it? How many people need to be involved now in that scenario though, because there were a lot of people involved, eventually someone leaked it, right? So mm -hmm. I think that is a piece of it as well, is that the more people you have in on something, the more likely it is that one of them is going to tell someone about it. So it does reduce the chances of the conspiracy being correct, but the conspiracy can still be right. I mean, Paul, I think about Dr. Delirium and BZ. How many thousands of U.S. service personnel got dosed mm -hmm. with so much BZ. How many doctors and colonels and generals had to be involved with all of these servicemen getting dosed with their worst fear ever? And these guys go to their doctors, go to their spouses, go to their friends, say, the government is poisoning me. And everyone's like, you're a conspiracy theorist. You're insane. What are you talking about? Our government wouldn't do that to us. Well, they're, they're, they're thinking the right way. Well, the trick is you don't tell them what you're dosing them with. All right. So how big of a role does social media play in all this, Chris? What about social media? Has that added to the mystery of conspiracies? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's speeds up the transmission of conspiracy theories and it penetrates deeper into the cultural fabric. Uh, you can, uh, you can reach millions of people in overnight. You know, if you look at the JFK conspiracy theory movement, uh, from the sixties on, it was mostly, you know, a handful of people meeting in hotel conference rooms with their mimeograph newsletters, reaching a few hundred people, you know, self, mostly self-published books. You know, they just didn't have the kind of horsepower technology that people have today. Uh, like the, you know, the, the type specimen of this is Loose Change, that uh, homemade film on 9-11 as an inside job. And, you know, that reached, what, 10 million people within mm -hmm. a few weeks? Yes. I mean, it was astonishing. I mean, these are the kind of numbers that these, uh, these Internet uh, sites and films get, you know, with Hollywood producers would die for those. Oh, dude, it was watching Zeitgeist when I was like in 11th grade that sent me down a world of insanity. Well, what was funny about that last piece, too, where he was like, uh, you know, Hollywood producers would kill for those kinds of numbers. Like, that's true across the entire like news industry as well, right. where yeah. Joe Same Rogan thing. has 10 million listeners. Right. Right. Uh, or it's I think it's maybe. like 100 million. Is it 100 million? It's something ridiculous. Well, it, so, numbers that I can't fathom because they're so not real. Right. Russell Brand is is millions right. and millions of listeners. Right. These are just two dudes, honestly. Yeah. At any one time, 150,000 people are watching CNN. Literally, those are their numbers. Yeah. They get about 150 to 200K averaging during the day yeah. for a lot of things. For like Rachel Maddow or Tucker, they'll shoot up. But most of the day, no one's watching. I mean, uh, and that's the thing. Tucker's doing numbers that nobody else is doing, which is why the rest of cable news hates him so much. I think Rachel's getting close there for a while during the Trump years. During the Trump, during yeah. the Trump, you know, Russian conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory, conspiracy You're, theory. Don't dude. redline your bike. Oh don't my gosh, dude. I bet Michael Shermer was on the freaking Trump, you know, Russian collusion peeing on beds, dude. I don't know that. I do not know that. We need to look into that. We would, I would want to look into that before saying that. Okay. All right. Well, I was, said bet. I said bet. So. Okay. Okay. So I'll, that... <laughs> yeah, let's bet a dollar. I will bet $1 that Michael Schirmer was not into the P tape. Okay. <laughs> we'll see who wins. We'll see who wins. All right. Well, the other thing he calls out too, and this goes back to him trying to not call people conspiracy theorists and not thinking that it's great, is that conspiracy used to be mainstream. Uh, he talks about how the Declaration of Independence was basically a conspiracy theory of like, we know what the government of the UK is trying to do to us. This is what the king is trying to pull off and we're not going for it. Right. And conspiracy thinking was really common in the United States for a really long time. And all the way up until about World War II, 
conspiracy theorizing was kind of common knowledge. It was just well, everybody talked about it. It was it was not considered fringe at all. It wasn't until after the Second World War, and particularly after JFK, that it kind of became associated with fringy, tinfoil hat wearing kind of people. And so I'm kind of trying to return it back to where it was, which is you know normal knowledge because conspiracies do happen. You, know, you go all the way back to the burning of Rome. And there were theories about whether Nero let it happen on purpose, my hop, mm-hmm. or made it happen on purpose, my hop, right? And, you know, so Lincoln was assassinated by a conspiracy. And, uh, you, you know, conspiracies are normal part of life, political life, private life, corporate life. There's a logic to assuming more of them are true than actually are, rather than the other error, missing conspiracies that are true and that could be harmful. How many books do you think Billy Coop sold in the 90s? I actually don't know. I feel like, honestly, there's a strong chance that Billy Cooper's numbers were uh, hurt by people just photocopying his book. Right, and passing it on. Yeah, because that's that's what he told people to do with his tapes, right? He would say, like, just copy my tapes. Yeah, it wasn't about the money for him. It was about getting the ideas out. Say what you want about Bill Cooper. But man, he believed it. I think. I think he, he really, really believed did it. Believe he was it, in dude. the game. <laughs> some of it, and some of it is so awesome, dude. I just remember us discussing the postal service being the <laughs> postal service running the concentration camps in the, America. Oh, yeah, thank you. That's what it was. They were, yeah. and then we were talking about how their little mail trucks were what they're like shoving people, yeah, into, and like you're crammed into a postal service truck. Yeah. And then you're sitting in line where you get stamps and your postal, uh, your postman is just sitting there screaming at you through a bullhorn and you're getting stamped at the post office and sorted, yeah. dude. Craziness. Dude, that, that was, was some, that was crazy. That was the old school 1990s, like militia movement conspiracies where it was the post office that was coming for you. I just love my like full like body armor and everything yeah. but they're wearing like the short shorts and the beige hat dude too good it's yeah. too good billy coops was the king dude absolute king well and the best part is that my ups usps man is the nicest person in the world but he's like 60 years old and like kind of a big dude i don't think he's hauling anyone into his truck to pull them into the uh the death camps you going to do what the Postal Service says, boy. I just don't see it happening. I could be wrong. He could have a dark side. He could have a dark side. But I don't so know. So anyways, Michael Shermer was just telling us about more and more conspiracies that happened that nobody believed that ended up being true. Okay, cool. Let's hear some more, Paul. Let's hear about some more true conspiracies that happened, but yet we shouldn't believe conspiracies until we know for sure that they're true. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into that. Right. When do we shut down the conspiracy? When when is it where we're like, OK, this is going too far. This isn't something we should be looking into. I'm, I'm, I, I take kind of a, what's called a Bayesian approach, you know, Bayesian reasoning. Uh, after Reverend Thomas Bayes, you put a probability estimate on. There's no black and white. Instead of saying something's true or false, just say it's, it's likely to be true or less likely to be false or, you know, and you kind of uh, you start with your priors, what I think is likely to be true based on what I know so far. I get new information. And that gives us a little more wiggle room to say, okay, you know, I think – so here I'll just apply it to JFK. I think Oswald acted alone. I don't think there was anybody else involved. But let's say these papers are released, and it turns out, you know, somebody in the CIA or the FBI or whoever was involved. And here's the definite evidence. Here's the memos. Here's the, the, the checks that the guy cashed. He was paid for the assassination, whatever. You know, that I would change my mind. I would go, okay, well, I was wrong. Uh, it was a conspiracy. You know, because foreign leaders are assassinated. We tried to assassinate Castro many times, right? So it's not crazy to think that people try to assassinate leaders. That, that does happen. So it's best to just kind of think of it as maybe true, maybe false, probably, probably not in kind of shades of gray, like a spectrum. Okay, cool. I think that's what, I think that's what everyone does. I mean, yeah, you have some insane people on the internet that probably live their lives believing that they have nanobots inside of them, but they would have just been crazy people back in the day. 
so here's what I'm thinking actually that that I think may make this lens the most helpful is that by thinking of it as a spectrum of like maybe true maybe not true that still opens you up to the conversation because I think that the problem we do have in society is that the moment something's labeled a conspiracy theory it's entirely disregarded right um like the lab leak theory right that was a yes. that was that was a conspiracy and now uh, who what, the Department of Energy came out and said, like, actually, no, it's it's probably what happened. So I think if you approach it in a way of, OK, I don't have the evidence to say that it's true or not. It may or may not be true. I don't really know. But it still leaves you open to evidence, to having the conversation, to engaging with people who say it is true. And then you can say, OK, yeah, let's talk about it. Right. And then it's not this adversarial. Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist or like, oh, you're a government bootlicker. It's like. Let's actually talk about how likely this is and what the evidence is that using it that way, I think, could potentially get you somewhere um, because it leaves more people in society open to the idea that these are accurate. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Paul, you're a conspiracy theorist for believing that's how the world works. (laughs) I don't think that's how the world works. I think that I'm trying to figure out how we can usefully use this lens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Listen. Yes. When you're talking to somebody, you you should be able to have a conversation, right, about whatever the belief structure is, whatever the conspiracy is, whatever it is, right? You should just be able to have a conversation with people. But, But when I say two years ago that I think the lab leak theory is true in which it almost certainly was even at the time nothing's changed it's still true but yet you got kicked off of platforms you got labeled a conspiracy theorist people lost their jobs so what what am i supposed to do with all this well that's what we're talking about that that shouldn't be how it is that's the point (laughs) yes okay nobody should go hungry everyone should have a home (laughs) (laughs) this is an alternative framework with which people can approach conspiracies that is more open to the fact that they could be accurate okay all right that's that's the intention here okay now whether or not i think that he does honestly go a little too far towards the skeptic side but also he's you know skeptic magazine publisher so that makes sense right, uh, right. but i don't think it's completely useless information here i guess i guess it's like being mad at a libertarian for being a libertarian right yeah he's going to be skeptical but i think the the way that we could potentially use this framework to have discourse with each other from people who are more deep into conspiracies and those who aren't could be helpful of like, oh, well, actually, this thing that they're saying, it does make sense. The motive is there. This does seem realistic. Like maybe maybe there's some validity to it. Maybe people should look into it. How do you talk to NPCs, though? <laughs> you got to talk to the NPCs. You got to do it. We got to engage with each other, man. And I have my my little, you know, choices and I typically go with one of those choices when I'm talking to an NPC, dude. You got to pick the right of the four choices, though. Otherwise, you're going to have a bad outcome. Talking to a bunch of leftists telling me I should go work for the Rockefeller Foundation. What are we talking about here, dude? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you lost me on that one. That sounds personal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last piece here that we're going to go to a caller. Um, okay. So this is kind of what he's going to add. Those that conspiracies can be healthy, right? They can be healthy. Are conspiracy theories healthy michael well i i think so in a way if they're not if they don't take you down a rabbit hole too far i mean with the QAnon thing for example <clears throat> there are people who gave up their they left their marriage they left their spouses they gave up their marriages and families quit their jobs and so on over this you know deep state QAnon conspiracy theory if it gets to the point like anything like any addiction where <clears throat> it, it ruins your life yeah that's a problem if it's just for entertainment purposes only you know, it's probably not that damaging. You know, it, it, it pays to be somewhat suspicious about politicians because they do lie and dissemble and so on. But if you think that they're rigging elections and you go march on the Capitol, that's a problem. How angry are the callers at him? A, a lot were very angry. Yeah, he definitely triggered <laughs> some people. He definitely triggered some people. 
I'm so glad that I don't listen to this show and I don't listen to it live because I would have I would have ripped the radio out of my car, dude. I just don't find this that bad. I really don't. I, I I disagree with how skeptical he is about the claims, but what he's discussing, I don't find annoying. Yeah. But I, I guess I'm some... just too normy. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I think some of my uh, anger for Graham came through in that. I I think if we had removed the Graham conversation, I think you I, maybe would have been a bit more open to him. I'm not saying you would have liked him. I don't yeah. think you would have been this angry at him. No, I I'd probably wouldn't have been that angry at him. But again, dude, it's just like, I, I don't understand it. Yeah, don't believe something willy-nilly. I told, okay, that's awesome. Like, the world is full of gray love. Okay. Yeah, sure. But it's not like this guy ha- runs a magazine saying this stuff. Like every article is about it's gray. Okay, cool. <laughs> Here's the thing is that in society these days, it, there isn't gray, right? There isn't. Nuance. That, it is I guess that is true. I guess that is so, true. I, to be fair, I wish more people would say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess you everyone, know. Everyone takes the most extreme position, and I think that there are a lot of people who take a very extreme position against all conspiracies. Right. And I don't think that's the appropriate way of addressing it, even if you are more of a normie, right? I think that you still got to be open to the fact that there's a lot of corruption on both sides, including your own party, right? Including when your government's in power. Especially your own party, dude. Those are the ones you shouldn't trust. The most. You got to regulate. You got to regulate from the inside, man. Yes, dude. <laughs> you can't trust them. I'll look at or, or if you have no party, you can just sling mud at everyone. Just sling. Fun. That's what I do. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to be a part of any of these fools, dude. They all suck. Oh uh, well, you know Andrew Yang's got something coming up down the pike, so we'll see what he's got happening. Uh, he's the Vivek Barishwami of the of the left, dude. Who cares? All right, so let's get to uh, some callers. We do have one caller that uh, enjoyed the conversation. He wasn't one of the angry ones, and he had uh, stories about conspiracies from his time in Iraq. Ooh. Look, I was in Iraq, um, Your well, several tours of Iraq. Well, my last tour, I was in Basra, Iraq, which is, in, you know, on the Shat al-Arab waterway. Conspiracy theories in that city were extremely rampant and popular. But one that was really popular was that the British who were evicted were angry and they left behind mutated badgers, man-eating badgers. I love that one. That one always made me laugh. The other one was um, Ali al-Sistani, the Ayatollah. He was not a real person. He was um, because he never stood up. They always show he was an American invention that, um, you know, and because he never stood all the pictures of him, he's sitting. The uh, Badger's pretty cool. I thought that was pretty funny, honestly, because uh, he, he was also talking about and I thought this was interesting how it only occurred in this one town. Right? right. And he could never really figure out why it was this one town that had these like really wild conspiracies, but others didn't. But that he thought there were like specific pressures maybe put on the people that weren't put on other folks uh, that, that led to them, you know, weaving more fantastical tales. And I don't know if this is right, but I think I am right that an Ayatollah is is Shia, not Sunni. I believe it's an imam. I actually it's... don't know, um, but that would make sense then, right? Happy Ramadan to our Muslim listeners. Very educated there. Yeah, don't Very know educated. what I'm talking about. But no I think idea. that's right. I we think try. Right. We try. that's right. Well, Chris, that will wrap up our episode with Michael Shermer, the publisher of Skeptic Magazine. Scale of one to five, what do you give our boy Michael? I'm going to give Michael a four. I thought he did a great <laughs> job. <laughs> dude, you're, I'm quitting the podcast. I'm done. Oh, this was off the rails, dude. This, this went was, off the I, rails. This is why I was worried about doing this one with you. Yeah, this went off the rails. It was good, though. Hopefully, some entertainment for the listeners. I, I'm going to give him a three, dude. I did not mind it. I think he leans too far into the skeptical side, but he's... You know, the publisher of Skeptic Magazine. Yeah, but I I appreciated that as a skeptic, he is trying to talk to the people who may usually completely disregard conspiracies and say like, yeah. no, sometimes you need to pay attention, right? You need to look yeah. at it and not just like disregard it because someone says 
that this is a conspiracy theory. So it's conspiracy head, right? You, you can't just ignore this stuff because sometimes they are true. Yeah, he's the guy. He's talking to all the people that have the UK, Ukraine flag in their Twitter profile right now, right? Talk, talking to a lot of people who who ignore this stuff, right? Yeah. And and I think that is a message that someone needs to send out in the world because sometimes he's right. The government doesn't do nice things. Somebody who thinks Barack Obama was our greatest president. <laughs> all right, all right. We're just we're gonna have to shut this down now. Uh, this has been Coast to Coast PM. We'll be back next week with something or other. Uh, Chris, you got any final words here? All conspiracy all the time. You hear that, Michael Shermer? All the time.